Welcome to those of you that are in the room, those of you that are tuning in online, out in the atrium. So good to have you here. My name is Ryan. I'm the lead pastor at Crossroads. Great to be here. A point of uh, two things, two little housekeeping things. Number one, I have my phone in my hand. I promise I'm not checking Facebook or text messages. Although I know that's what you're doing when I'm preaching. So fair game. But I took my usual remote home and I left it in the car that we didn't bring today. So uh, the wonders of technology allow me to use my phone to help control things. Uh, so that's why I have my phone in my hand. I always hate it, though. I hate it with a passion because I know people are like, why does he have his phone? He looks so stupid. And I don't need help looking stupid. I can do that on my own. Uh, and the second thing is this. Uh, I, am, I am very happy to see the regulations and the vaccination rates going up. And uh, 18 months ago or two years ago as we came, and 18 months ago, the goal was to kind of get settled and then start to get to know everybody face-to-face -face and to do coffee and breakfast and visits and, and homes, whatever we could do, whatever I could do to get to know you. And I didn't get to do that. So now I'm doing that, all right? So here's the deal. If you want to have coffee, if you want to get to know me, I would love to get to know you if you have any questions, which I understand. I produce questions. I'm happy to chat and talk. I'd love to do that. love to take you for coffee or breakfast. Here's the deal. You just got to let me know. And there's two ways you can let me know that. You can email me, uh, rhowell at crossroadscolorado.com, or you can text me. My number is 207-608-1106. And they'll put that in the comment section. If you're tuning in online, if you're in the room, you can write that down. That is my cell phone number. Please don't prank call me, okay? That's all I'm going to say. Just send me a text message. Say, I'd love to do it. I've, we had a couple of folks kind of take me up on it last week, so we're starting to get things scheduled. And so I'd love to do that. I really, really would. I would love to get to know you better and hear your story and you get to know me if you'd like to do that. If you really don't care, if you don't like me, if you don't want to get to know me, my ego will somehow be okay. I'll just hang out with Rod over and over and over again because he's nice to me. So... Uh, listen, we're in a series called The Spirituality of Happiness, The Spirituality of Happiness. Uh, and we're just exploring kind of the relationship between the science of happiness and what Scripture says about happiness. And our anchor verse is there at the top of your talk notes if you want to uh, follow along today. The fill-in-the-blanks are in bold yellow. We make it nice and easy for you, okay? So whether you're doing it digitally online or here in the room. Let me ask you a question. What are you good at? What are you good at? What are you good at? I know I'm not supposed to end a sentence with a preposition, but I did. What is it that you find that you are good at doing? Like, it just comes naturally to you. Like, people have said, so good, so great. And maybe what do you wish you were good at? You know, I wish I was a good singer. I'm just going to throw that out there. Uh, I've never really had anybody tell me I was a good singer. Um, I've had people be nice about my singing, but I do like to sing. But I was never like a good singer. But I wish I was. I wish I was a better musician than I am. I just always had that dream. But alas, maybe in the next life, I'll be a rock star. But as it stands, you just get me the way I am. Like, what would you consider to be your strengths? We all have strengths. We all have different types of strengths, right? So if a strength is an asset in our lives, it's something that I would say a strength is something that makes uh, the world better through us, lived out through us. It's something that helps us navigate this world. It would be something we put in the positive column of our lives, right? We all have different types of strengths. So some of those strengths are talents, right? Some of you are talented. Some of you are talented. You just have it in your bones, your blood. Uh, that's like what a talent is. Your biological makeup is good for it. Like, I don't have the biological makeup to be an NBA star. 
I'm missing about six inches and a whole lot of skill, right? I just don't have it. I was always the greatest disappointment to like basketball coaches growing up because I was always like a foot taller than everybody. And they would see me, they'd be like, oh, this is awesome. I can't believe we finally got a tall kid. And then they'd like toss the ball towards me and like I'd shatter their dreams, you know? I was just, I was, I was never, I never had like the biological raw talent for that stuff. Played basketball and baseball, but I was always like, whatever the sport was, I was like one away from being like good. So like if, if it was basketball, I was always like the fifth man. No, sixth man, because there's five on the court, right? Yeah. Uh, and then if it, I mean, I, it just is what it is. But some of us, we have these different talents. But we have interests. Those are the things that you like to do, whether you're good at them or not. Singing, okay, that's my world, right? Things that we just enjoy doing, whether we're good at them or not. And then we have skills and other strength, right? And skills are oftentimes things that we develop over time, right? We, we think about this. And, and here's, the, here's the thing of it. The fundamental strength, that the science says impacts all of our other strengths are our character strengths. That there's a set of character strengths that really develop and grow and strengthen all of these other types of strengths in our lives. And the science gives us 24 24 character strengths, and they're organized under six universal virtues. You can find out all about these in the 800-page manual on character strengths and virtues. It was a handbook that was written by two uh, very famous uh, positive psychologists, one who was the founder of the, the kind of the science itself. 800 pages, 800 pages on character strengths, one by one, virtues, one by one. The body of research is pretty crazy. And these character strengths, not the virtues, but the character strengths are things like bravery, creativity, courage, curiosity, fairness, gratitude. Honestly, they go on and on. Inside of your program, you'll notice there's a grid there, and I'll tell you a little bit more about that sheet of paper a little bit later on in the talk. But the science tells us, right, here's, the, here's what's fascinating. The, the people that are doing research in the world of uh, positive psychology and happiness say that the happiest of people are those that actually discover their unique strengths, like persistence or critical thinking, like character strengths. They spend the time to discover what they are and the virtues, like humanity or justice. But then here's the trick. They use those character strengths, they use those virtues for a purpose that is greater than their own personal goals. Right? So they understand who they are. They've taken the time to dig into that. And then they figure out, how do I use these for something beyond myself? Right? Now, here's the cool thing about this topic is like, Scripture and spirituality and Christianity and religion in general has a lot to say about this. Right? The foundation of like, really good, healthy religion and spirituality is around this idea of kind of becoming the Christian way of saying it would be becoming who you are in Christ. Self-enlightenment would be other ways in which it gets said, this perennial big picture idea, right? And, and we see this everywhere. And what I want to do, I'm super excited about the topic today, okay? Like 48 out of 52 Sundays, I'm really not that excited about the topic. I'll be honest with you. I'm like, this is garbage. You know, I just, I downloaded it on Saturday. I can make it work with a little humor. It's fine. No, but this one, this one I'm really excited about. And, and here's why. Because in, in spirituality and religion and Christianity and life, there's these big ideas, right? And these big topics that sound really good, but when you like try to put some flesh on it, it gets really confusing and it's hard. So when we say things like your identity in Christ is who you really are, like there's something about that that feels really good, especially if you're a church person. But if you're not a church person and you just walk in and, and I say something like, you just, your identity in Christ, it's like, you're weird. 
Like, what, are you, what does that even mean? And, and if you dig, like most of us in my prayer, we don't really have a good answer for it, right? Like, no, it's just your identity in Christ. Like, you say the same thing in different ways. No, it's just who you are in Christ. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, but it's like, it's like your real self in Christ. <laughs> so you say the same thing over and over again. There's no flesh on it. We can't. But today, like with some of the science that I've looked at this past week in the research, I really feel like we can put some flesh on this. And uh, I'm a little nervous because I've only been thinking about this for about four days. And stuff that I think about for years can be frightening and like bizarre. So imagine if I've only thought about it for four days, how crazy it's going to be. All right. So, so hold on, because I actually think that we can learn a whole lot about God from some of the science and research that's been done, like in, in this season of the history of humanity, that is so amazing for us as followers of Jesus, if you're following Jesus or if you're thinking about following Jesus, right? So I want to look at a passage of scripture that's found in the New Testament in a little letter called Second Peter. Second Peter. It says First Peter on your talk notes. That's incorrect. My bad. Second Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 8, if you want to go back and look it up later. So Second Peter is a letter that obviously it's been ascribed to Peter, uh, the disciple. There's, there's, some, there's, there's debate around whether Peter actually wrote this letter or whether it was written in Peter's voice out of a, a school of disciples of Peter's. But so for the sake of ease, I'll say Peter, but we just recognize, we don't really know, historians aren't sure, but that's okay. You know, th- no problem, all right? Everybody okay? Take a deep breath. It's all right. Okay. And, and by the way, if you're like new to the whole Bible study thing, if you're tuning in online, a friend sent you the link and said, you should watch this, and you've stuck it out this far, kudos to you. If you're in the room, and maybe you've had a bad experience with the Bible, like somebody has used the Bible to control you or manipulate you or to create a rule that says you're not good enough, or, or, and that's happened to you. And when I say, hey, we're going to look at the scripture, and you just kind of have like a, a real an honest response because of trauma. I just want you to know you're in a very safe space. Like our goal here is not to use the Bible as a a book of rules. It's actually, my opinion, a terrible book of rules. It's ambiguous on its rules. It's not really clear. For example, honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. That's a big one. How do you do that? (laughs) Like it's a pretty general rule, honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. So then what we do is we create a whole bunch of rules to try and follow that one rule, that one principle. So rather than get lost in trying to create rules that control, we talk about wisdom. So we're going to look at the wisdom of Scripture as it relates to virtues and strengths. And we have this beautiful passage from this letter, Second Peter. Very, very beautiful. Okay, so here's what it says, if you're with me. It says, God's divine power, now his divine power, again, I always have to say this, you'll have to forgive the patriarchal male pronouns. These texts were written in a patriarchal time period. Uh, we know from other places and from scripture that God is spirit that's neither male nor female, in fact, encompasses all genders. Uh, and, and you also have to understand when you read in the Bible, it says brothers or men, it's, uh, it is meant for all mankind, right? And so I'll do my best as we read these. I'll probably use more gender inclusive language if you know that's what's happening, right? So God's divine power has bestowed on us everything that makes for life and devotion through the knowledge of him, that is Jesus, who called us by his own glory and power. What this is saying is Peter believes that everything you need to live the life that God desires for you, you've been given. There's no going out and earning it. It's been bestowed on you. A life of, for everything you need for a life of, of devotion. Everything you need to live into all that God has called you to be as you, it's been given to you. It's nothing you did or earned it. It's just been poured out on you by understanding Jesus this glorious, powerful person, by understanding what Jesus teaches, that everybody's in, that Jesus, that God loves everybody, that religion is not where it's at, 
relationship it's where it's at. That the world is God's, that, that Jesus came to show us that there's nothing that could ever separate us from God's love. And that knowledge, when you get it, right, is faith to believe that truth. And that's all that you, now everything comes to you, it's been bestowed on you, and then you have faith to believe it. So, now here's what's fascinating. The research says that these 24 character strengths, every human being has them. Doesn't matter where you were born, the six virtues, every culture, they all have them. So just hold on to that, right? If we say every human being is made in the image of God, you got to try and distill it down to, well, what does every human being have? And the science says that every human being has these 24 character strengths and these six virtues that are in every culture. Now, through the glory and power of Jesus, God has bestowed on each of us, right, this precious and very great promises, these precious and very great promises, so that through them, you may come to share in the divine nature. Huge statement here. Share in the divine nature after escaping from the corruption that is in the world because of evil desire. Here's what I think this means. Let me just offer my interpretation. What, what Peter's saying here is, listen, through the knowledge of Jesus, this wonderful gift of God exemplified in Jesus, we have all these great promises about who we are, all these great promises about what God wants to do in the world, what God wants to do through you. And when we live into that, we're living into the divine nature that we've all been created into, and you start to live in the divine nature. It's not that you don't have it beforehand, but you start to live in it when you realize that the world is jacked up, my interpretation of the Greek. <laughs> Would you all agree that the world is kind of jacked up? Okay? Like, you don't really have to go through all the schooling I went through to understand that, right? You just have to kind of watch the news. You just have to watch how we exclude people. You have to watch how some people are, are lacking daily substance and food and shelter, and others have more and more and more, right? There's, there's, there's a problem. And once you leave that corrupted way of thinking, and your mind is renewed in faith in Jesus, now you live into these this reality that's bigger than us, that's the divine nature. And here's what I think. I think that these six universal virtues, they give us clarity on the nature of God. Like we have words now, not just, oh, the nature of God, you're, you're in the image of God. But we now know through the science and the research that there are six universal virtues that regardless of the culture, they are always said to be a virtue. So they went through and looked at all these things that could be labeled as virtues. And they started asking the questions, like, would, would a culture call this a virtue? Would it, would it not? How would it work? Right? So some cultures would say, oh, uh, saving money would be a virtue, right? But not every culture would say that. So they stay, and they distilled it to what they called the higher virtues. Six, that they could not find a culture that would think differently about. Now, here's what they are. They're on that piece of paper if you want to look. But here's what they are. Number one is courage. They did not find, in, in all the research, they did not find one culture that would say, we would choose cowardice over courage. Wasn't going to happen. And they defined courage, this manual on strengths, defines courage as the capacity to overcome fear. All of us have it, the capacity to overcome fear. Second is justice. Justice, they could not find a culture that wouldn't name justice that which makes life fair as a virtue to strive for. Humanity was the third one. Humanity deals with our ability and the, the value of relating to one another, seeing one another as, as human beings, treating one another with kindness, how we love one another. Temperance was the fourth, control over excess. We talked about that last week. 
Transcendence was the fifth, this idea that we're connected to something higher, a belief that there's meaning and purpose beyond ourselves. And then the last one, the sixth, higher, higher virtue is wisdom. Wisdom. Now, I love their definition of wisdom. Knowledge hard fought for, then used for good. That's wisdom. Knowledge hard fought for, then used for good. So these six virtues, right, they then have taken these 24 character strengths and put them in. Now, here's what I think. That seems like God to me. <laughs> if every human being is made in the image of God, and there are six universal virtues that the science tells us, that gives us a good picture of God. Wise, humane, just, transcendent, tempered, right? And this then, we live into it. Now, here's what Peter goes on to say. Peter says, for this very reason, right? For this very reason, in other words, to share the divine image, right? That's what he says. Make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue. And virtue, now, so, so what Peter's going to do here is Peter's going to list a whole bunch of character strengths. So he starts with virtue. Supplement your faith with virtue. Now, for those of you that are like, faith alone. I'm sorry, that's what the Bible says. Peter says, no, it's not faith alone. Just faith alone, just saying you believe stuff can lead to a pretty idle life. But he says, if, if you really want to live into this divine nature, you supplement your faith with virtue, grow into those virtues. And then he starts listing, I think, strength characteristics, knowledge, self-control, self-control with endurance, endurance with devotion, devotion with mutual affection, mutual affection with love. I don't think we should read this as an exhaustive list. We should read this as the best list that God inspired into Peter, given his worldview and what was going on his day. But the point is that virtue, what we would define as moral excellence, right? If virtue is moral excellence, the highest way in which we could live our lives morally grows by exercising character strengths, by growing in these things. Now, there's what he, here's what Peter says. He goes on, he says, if these are yours, in other words, those character strengths that he mentioned, which I think we could expand to the 24 character strengths, I don't think God would get upset if we were like, well, you know, let's go ahead and add love of learning to that list. I don't think God's going to be like, no, I told Peter, these seven and these seven alone. It's like people that look at spiritual gifts in the Bible as an exhaustive list. Like, no, they're just samples, right? The principle, right? Virtue and the character strengths that build moral excellence. If these are yours and increase in abundance, then think about when this is being written. Like Peter's saying to you, these things can exist in your life and they can actually increase, which goes along with the science that says strengths can be strengthened with intentional actions. Strengths can be strengthened. So you're given an asset. We're all given these, these 24 character strengths. We're all given these virtues. They can actually be strengthened with intentional act. And, and again, you believe that, otherwise you wouldn't be tuning in right now, or you wouldn't be sitting in right now, or unless you thought you came to someplace else and you're like, oh, credit, there's not enough people here to slip out, so I'm just going to stick it out. But I think most of us are here because we actually believe we can grow in these things, right? And these character strengths, Peter says, will keep you from being idle or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, this section started with, it's the knowledge of Jesus that transforms us, that changes us. But if we don't supplement it, we become idle and unfruitful. We just become like people who like to talk. The Bible word for this, and Jesus and, and even John would say, you're a whitewashed tomb. You look really good on the outside, but it's just a dead corpse on the inside. Right? I just I go to church. I set my Bible out on the coffee room, on the coffee table when people come over so they can see how good of a person I am. I know nobody in this church would ever do that. 
You know, that's the thing. Like, we can have all of the, like, ideas, and we want to look good, and we want it. And here's the thing. Like, in the world, we have this phrase for people that would do this type of thing, that would leverage, like, a good thing to make themselves look better, but actually not do anything about it. It's called virtue signaling, right? And so, in the Christian life, to have knowledge of Jesus without transformation, and I don't mean personal transformation only. I mean, like, actually working for transformation in the world— that's virtue signaling. That's like, look at how awesome I am. I dress the right way. I wear all the right clothes to church. I'm there every week. I do all the things I'm supposed to do so people think I'm a good Christian, which I never understood that phrase, by the way. Good Christian feels like an oxymoron to me because the reality is like, as part of the Christian faith, we should hold on to the fact that we of all people are, are the most humble and recognize God's grace, right? But there's this belief, there's this understanding that I can just like go through the motions and everybody look at me and say how wonderful I am, called cultural kind of Christian faith. And so virtue signaling, right, is this expression that gets used to kind of indict an individual or a company or an organization that suggests they're just backing an idea to look good in the eyes of others. But they really don't do anything in their policies, they don't do anything in their work that would say that it really is a, a cause they support. It'd be like, you know, an organization saying, we're for the environment, and then, like, research shows that they're, like, the number one polluter in all of the world. No, we, but we post the memes, and we love it, right? That's virtue signaling. It's acting in bad faith. Moral grandstanding, right? It's talking about things you hate, but not taking any action to transform that reality, it's why at our church we've said, hey, there's five unacceptable realities, and we put them on our website, and we put them in things, and we say, this is what we're working to change. This is not, we are not going to be a space that just waits for God. We're going to partner with God in bringing about God's vision of this world. It's actionable. And now here's the thing. So, so we call this virtue signaling, broadly speaking, in our current world. But the Bible word for this, for doing it in a space of religion and faith, like the real Bible word, the heavy phrase for this is taking the Lord's name in vain. You ever heard that one? Like thou shalt not and then take the Lord's, thy God's name in vain. You always have to use the good old King James Version language with that one. Like it just doesn't sound the same. Like don't take the Lord's name in vain. Thy Lord, right? It's a big deal, okay? And, it, and by the way, it doesn't mean like saying, oh my God. Like, oh my God could be offensive. It could be like rude. But that's not taking the Lord's name in vain. The Lord's name in vain is when I signal, right? When I use God for my own benefit, but I'm really not interested in God's vision. I'm really not interested in my life glorifying God. I'm just interested in God's life glorifying me, right? And that's a big deal. Like we see this all throughout scripture, okay? So the point being, like Peter's saying, listen, there is this type of faith that's just idle, and that's the faith that isn't built on actively pursuing these strengths, these character strengths that he lays out, which I think, again, we could broaden it. Now, Peter goes on and says this, anyone who lacks them, those character strengths that he defined, is blind and short-sighted. And I would suggest anyone who lacks the ability or who chooses not to see this in themselves, who chooses not to recognize that you can't just say you have faith, but you actually have to supplement these with personal growth, they're forgetful of the cleansing of their past sins. In other words, they forget the whole point of Jesus to heal and restore them. They're living in it. So he says, therefore, brothers and sisters, sisters aren't off the hook, brothers and sisters, be all the more eager to make your call and election firm. This is that idea of growing into and developing your character strengths. 
your call and election. Make it firm by living into these things. For in doing so, you will never stumble. That's quite the promise. You will never stumble. Probably a bit of hyperbole. <laughs> I mean, I, I'll be honest with you. You can probably spend 24-7 working on your character strengths. And if you've got kids, one day you're going to stumble. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just going to happen. But the point being, this is what's going to strengthen you. This is what's going to probably decrease <laughs> the stumbling, right? This is what's going to put you on sure foot. So here's the thing, the call, right? Remember what the science says. Science says people find their strengths, find the virtues, and then they use it for a purpose bigger than their own personal goals, right? Well, the higher purpose for our character and virtue strengths, when you're following Jesus, the way we talk about it here is peacemaking, like the higher, the higher calling, using our character strengths, using our virtuous way of thinking is to be peacemakers. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called children of God. And so we make our call firm by focusing in on these character strengths, how we use them. And that election, this idea of God's choosing, right? This can be tricky. We don't have a lot of time to talk about it, but just for the sake of like ease, I think this just, just means for those of you who have lived into your faith, for those of you who have said, yes, yes, I'm going to live my life in a relationship with God through Jesus. That's what, there's, that's what this is saying. Like, I'm going to experience God. I experience God through the person of Jesus. And in doing that, I strengthen it by strengthening my character strengths, my virtues. The big theological word for this, by the way, is sanctification for those of you that love Bible words. And wouldn't think I'd be preaching if I wasn't using a Bible word. There's one for you. Sanctification. I'll even say it the way you're supposed to, okay? I can do it if I need to. Sanctification. Now, some people think about this term as like the process of God perfecting you, making you perfect. Ah, not the way we think about perfection in our moralistic terms. So I don't like that. Because yes, you can say that it's God perfecting you, but I think what it is, is God perfecting you by the Spirit to be your perfect self, your authentic self. That you don't have to be anybody else. You can just be you. You're never going to not do something that wounds someone. That's just a part of being a human being. We should relax a little bit. It's not to say we should, but it's just that is what it is. But this work of God's Spirit in us, sanctification, is this idea of God working it out, this process of the Spirit shaping us into our authentic selves. And it is a work of the Spirit. That's what 2 Corinthians says. It's sanctification by the Spirit of God. Now, here's what I think is so amazing about God, right? So amazing about God. How many of you love people that have to take the credit for everything? Anybody? Just... Anybody at home, just put in the comment section, you love it when you're with somebody and they have to take credit for everything. Okay, listen, God does this all the time through the Spirit, and He never or she never gets credit, whichever pronoun you want to use. Why? Because God's not petty. <laughs> because it rains on the just and the unjust, because God's love is universal. So there are people who were leaning into this work and they just know intrinsically, like, I need to become myself, my best self. And there's all this great work being done. And I believe it's being led by the Spirit of God. And I don't think that God is so petty as to not be present in the good work in this world if we're not willing to just say, oh, no, that's totally God. All glory to God. Like, if we don't say that, all glory to God. After you hit the home run. No, God is at work. Because just like we don't, like, we would think a person had a character flaw if they needed to get credit for everything. 
We would certainly say the same thing about a God who needed to get credit for everything. But God is so perfect in the way God works. So this process of sanctification, I think, is happening all around us, and we don't even know it, but we can recognize it when we see it in other people, right? So here's what I would say to you. This is the idea. This is the big picture idea. Don't, don't miss this, okay? Don't miss it. 24 character strengths, six virtues, across the board, all humanity. Every human being is made in the image of God, has access and availability to these character strengths, right? But the science says that every one of us has signature strengths, signature strengths. We're just wired for them. They come easier to us. This is, I mean, this is what the social science is telling us. Like, there are some people that are just, they're, they're more loving. They just love more. They just have, they're, they're justice oriented. If you're, if you do the Enneagram stuff, you're like, I'm an Enneagram, whatever. I don't know. And like you live and die by that. You have a tattoo somewhere. Enneagram eight right here. This is the cool space for a tattoo these days. I don't know if you know it or not. I have, no, I'm just kidding. I don't, <laughs> I don't like needles. No moral opposition. I just don't like needles. I am morally opposed to unnecessary pain. That's what I'm morally opposed to, right? So like we have these, we all have these characters, but, but they're in us in these different ways, these signature characters. And here's what I want to say today. And this is what I think is so, so powerful if we'll get it. Your signature character strengths, that's God's signature on your life. That's God's signature on your life. That's God like creating you and then just like signing God's name, being like, that's my masterpiece. I painted that one. I created that one. It's a part of me. Psalm 119, 139, excuse me, says, you formed my inmost being. You knit me in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My very self, you know. Think about that. My very self, you know. Now listen, if you've been around church, particularly evangelical Western American Christianity for a long time, you've got to kind of unwire your brain because this has been the passage that people want to use for abortion. This is what they want to use. They want to use this verse, and, and that's it, okay? But just listen, please. I don't think that the poet is talking about your physical wiring and how you were built in your mother's womb. That seems to me like the worst poem ever, right? Like this beautiful language, and it's talking about your actual physical intestines and how many fingers were formed in your mother's womb, Again, I'm not saying that the scripture doesn't say anything about what we call abortion. I, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, just unprogram your brain for a second around this piece of poetry. Because this piece of poetry is part of a longer piece of poetry that is about how you can't get away from God. That God is so permeative of everything, you can't get away from God. And, and this is my very self. I actually think what this is talking about is that part of you that is creating the divine image, these character strengths that are God, and God has formed you and knit you and given you your signature strengths and said, there's nobody that's ever going to be like you, signed his name and said, there you go. You're a signature of God. And here's what's so powerful about the science and the scripture put together. The number of potential character strengths profiles Right out of these, the number of the combination of how those can be put together inside of a human spirit, right? That number is exponentially greater than the number of people living on our planet right now. Not just greater, but exponentially greater. So, you know what that means? Science and scripture tells me that you are one of a kind. You're one of a kind. So, stop trying to be like anybody else. 
because that's not your authentic self. So the, it, the, the invitation is to go deeper. I think the invitation of the Christian faith, the invitation of Jesus is to go deeper than consumeristic spirituality, to go deeper than like the emotional feel-good Christianity that exists, to go deeper into who you are. I love that song, like, I am who you say I am. Not a super helpful lyric, (laughs) but what if this is what this means? Like, what if the idea is you are who you are, and part of the journey is to discover that and live your life in such a way as this journey of discovering how am I the thumbprint of God, the fingerprint of God in this world, that there's no one who has the same character, strength, makeup as I do. To learn to live into that and to find joy and peace in knowing that I don't have to be like anybody else. Some of you are like, duh, <laughs> that's obvious, Ryan. You've grabbed a hold of that one. <laughs> but isn't that amazing? And so the invitation is to wrestle with this question, who am I? Who am I? I thought about this question this week for a long time, and it is the most frustrating question ever. <laughs> I couldn't get past Ryan. Who am I? I'm Ryan Howell. I could not get past that because if I try to go past that, I start getting into things that aren't, uh, that aren't my nature, that aren't who I am. I get into, well, what I do. I get into relationships. I'm a father. I get into like, the things that I enjoy doing, but all that stuff changes. So who I am is this question of the character strengths, the virtues that, I, that are a part of me that have created inside of me, not the relationships or the job or the things that will change, Right? the superpower that you have, like those, those signature strengths. How do those play out? Who are you? And, and really, what this means is as you start to do that, you do what the Bible calls training for godliness. Again, don't think in moralistic terms like, okay, somebody told me at one point in time, I'm not allowed to smoke, I'm not allowed to drink, I'm not allowed to play cards, and I'm not allowed to hang out with people who do those things, and I'm not allowed. Like, that's not training for godliness. I think training for godliness is learning to, how do I live into how God has made me to be that authentic version of God's fingerprint, of God's image in this world. First Timothy says, train yourself in godliness, for while physical training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, holding promise for both the present life and life to come. So we work out by, by training these strengths, training them, learning how to do that. It's like going to the gym, right? So I want to encourage you to do that as a, as a part of your spiritual journey, as a part of your spiritual life. So uh, just like you might have a gym membership, right? And at that gym membership, there's all these different machines you can use, and there's people there to help you. There's actually some great resources for this. There's an institute called the VIA Institute on Character, V-I-A. It's where the uh, sheet came from that you're linked to online or that is in your program. And they have all kinds of resources there. And the first resource that I would encourage everybody to do is just take their little survey. Take the little survey. Uh, it, it takes those 24 and it just kind of ranks which ones you're strongest in, which ones come naturally to you, which ones, you know, you have access to all of them, by the way. So who wants to know what my 24th <laughs> strength was? 24th being your quote unquote weakest. Anybody want to know this? You're going to be so happy that this is your pastor's 24th weakness. Love. (laughs) Love. Love. Now, I say that to tell you, I feel like I am a loving person. (laughs) But, But that's okay. 
it actually makes sense because when, you, when it talks about love, it is talking about it from the standpoint of humanity, like interpersonal, that ability to like connect with the person and, and like use language and words to express love. So like if, it, if, 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 if I had to ask a question about like, are you more or less likely to tell someone that you love them or to tell your spouse something nice? I'm like, uh, less likely. <laughs> you know, like that I could go live in, in a room by myself and try and figure out how to solve the problems of the world and be perfectly happy. And that could be an act of love. But... <laughs> But that's but the beauty is like I can know that and go okay like there's a virtue like I have to get better at talking about these things I can get better about talking these things right you want you want to know what my top five were my top my superpowers these are my superpowers humor <laughs> some of you're like nah, I don't think so Ryan <laughs> spirituality fairness forgiveness and leadership so those were kind of my character strengths the top five cocktail in my life I want to encourage you. it's free by the way I wouldn't do it if it wasn't free. Too cheap. But the report you get back is free. You can pay like a little bit and get an even more detailed one, right? And I want to encourage you to do that survey and then just learn the virtues and the character strengths. Just learn them. Just learn them. There's, there's books out there that help you do this. There's books that can help you kind of understand. There's a great book called The Power of uh, strength, the Power of Character Strengths, written by the VIA Institute Leadership, just takes all 24. It's meant for popular consumption, so it's not like the 800-page like manual. It's meant for popular consumption. You can read about these character strengths that you're strong in, how you'll overuse them at times uh, to compensate, how you'll underuse them. It, it's really great. And, and just begin. And there's ways to build it. There's a strength builder process that it talks about in there, like just as a spiritual habit. It's wonderful. And then I want to encourage you to use these character strengths as you learn them as both the gathered and scattered church. Use them as both the gathered and scattered church. What this means is use it here as part of the organized church. We come together, we create ministries and programs to, to hopefully help people grow in the love of Christ, to find hope and experience that in Jesus. But you do this as the scattered church. If you're following Jesus, when you go into your everyday normal life, your neighborhood, the PTA, right? When you, if you're retired and you hang out with a group of people, whatever it is you do, your work, that's your everyday normal life. That's your front line. That's the scattered church. That's where the most amazing impact you're ever going to have bringing hope into the world. And so today we're excited to have one of our orange dots of hope, one of our scattered church folks that are living out there uh, using their strengths in both the gathered and scattered church to come and share a little bit of their story. Check it out. rock star. Like, I wish I had a trailer. I prefer to be behind the I camera. I wish I had a trailer for whenever <laughs> I walked up on stage. <laughs> okay, so here's the deal. As part of the Gathered Church, you've been like really leaning into, since the beginning of the pandemic, our Kids Cast, that thing that we produce every week for kids, uh, and they use it during the CK groups. They, people watch it at home. How did you kind of get into that, and where have you particularly found meaning using your talents and strengths in that venue? Well, I started coming to church here about two years ago. Um, uh, me too. <laughs> nice. Okay, go ahead. Actually, it was about the same time. Um, I moved back from here from being all over the country, and uh, 
wanted a home church, found here and started coming. I enjoyed myself and got to meet Isaac and Ann and Jessica and them and a bunch of other people got to help out with the soundboard and running up there with Darren and stuff. And it was great and was finally approached about helping out with the kids cast. And uh, they were like, you know, we need somebody to edit it all together, put it together. They had somebody before, but that person has moved on to their next chapter. And uh, so I said, yeah, that'd be great. I already do photography, videography. I love doing that stuff. But I was a beginner, hmm. and I wanted to grow with that more. So I figured, what better way? Yeah, of course, I'm going to volunteer to start doing the kids' cast. And so I'd take all the videos we'd get together, whether we did a bunch of shoots here at the church and did them all at once or did them every week from home. We'd just take all those videos, put them in a file, and put them together to make it flow a little easier for the kids and give them something to learn more about who Christ is and, and Christ. Yeah. And, and that's a great Christ. use of using talents and skills. And one of the kind of character strengths that I feel like I saw in you was at the very beginning you said, oh, can I, can I do this? I really would love to do this because I'm learning this. You have this like love of learning in you, <laughs> like wanting to do new things. And so it was this really neat opportunity. So let's pivot. And now let's talk about the scattered church, right? Following Jesus, everyday normal life. You and your brother have kind of entered a new chapter, uh, started a business here in Loveland. Uh, first of all, tell us a little about what is the business. Uh, the business is called Brothers Personalities. We do screen printing. Um, we do canvas type stuff. We also do vinyl. We do embroidery for hats. Okay. Um, so it's a little bit of everything clothing brand-wise and just trying to okay. make... So like so so making t-shirts, hats, obviously nothing you can do for Jesus with that. Baby that's blankets. Baby blankets, that's right. You did our baby blankets. So so you have this kind of like business you've started, but you do use it for what we would say is like peacemaking, like this amazing work. And so how have you been able to kind of leverage your everyday normal life, this business? How have you been able to leverage that to bring hope to people in our community and elsewhere? Right. Well, I've lived on both sides of the fence, whether it be from having enough money to survive to not having enough money to survive. And so my brother and I have been through that life together growing up. Uh, my parents were raised us in a Christian home, but it wasn't always, we didn't always want to be that part. Mm -hmm. we, we, it, it's like you said, you look at things and you're like, okay, I see this, this, and this, but it's just what I hear every week. Mm -hmm. I don't want to see it anymore. So as we started going through that, we're like, you know, let's start to make something that we can help others out with. Um, so whether that came to making shirts for people who needed to have shirts made. Um, one example would be Support Local. We decided to start this thing called Support Local where we would put Support Local on the front, put a business's logo on the back. We had places like Betta Gumbo, the Loveland Bowling Alley here, um, places like that where we would get their logo and they would sell their shirts put it on their website, whatnot, but they would never see the shirts. Those shirts all stayed with us because we're paying for the shirts, we're making sure those are ready for everybody else. And then as people would order them, those restaurants, those bars, those uh, places like the bowling alley would get to get all the profits made from those shirts, especially during the pandemic, because when we yeah. did that, it was like, these places can't survive. They're all having to be shut down, mm -hmm. and these are people's livelihoods. Yeah. Um, and so we were like, you know, let's take all this money that we're making from the shirts, give it to them to help pay for their employees, oh, to awesome. help pay for the people who were there. Very cool. And it didn't have any cost to them, no risk for them no. or anything like that. And, you, and, and cancer support is another kind of heart for you and your brother. Tell us a little about that and how your business has been able to work in that realm. Again. <laughs> cancer, my grandfather passed away from cancer about eight years ago, and uh, it, was, it was a hard struggle. 
Um, and then my uncle ended up getting cancer about four years ago, and uh, he ended up having to have his jaw totally replaced, pull some skin and bone out of his leg and replace his jaw. Um, and so cancer is a big part of our life, and we wanted to help further the research, help further the cause of finding out how we can fix cancer. Um, so we started making shirts, donating shirts to different people struggling with cancer to start raising money to go towards cancer awareness and cancer research to yeah. try and try and stab yeah. this and yeah. get, get rid of it. And so you were able to actually work with one organization and just through your t-shirts and working with them, you guys, it was like $18,000 you yep. raised in a week, just using your business, using your gifts, your talents, using your character strengths to do a whole lot of good in this world. So that's pretty awesome. Now, as your kind of church family here, family, as people who want to support you and, and just be a part of what God's doing through you, like what are ways that we can, how could we support you? How could we help you walk into the vision that God has for you? Prayer is always the number one thing. If you could pray for us, that's always great. We all, not, okay, maybe not as all, but a lot of people follow Christ, but sometimes we struggle with following Christ and what? things like that. And so <laughs> that's part of human life, right? And so just praying for that, that we continue to further God's kingdom in the work that we do on a daily basis, um, whether that be you've got ideas for a fundraiser, come let us know. We're more than willing to help with that. Or if you guys need stuff for your own businesses, yourselves, come let us know. We'll get you taken care of. Awesome. Very cool. Give David a great big hand. Thanks, Thank you so much. What a great example of just taking uh, our everyday normal lives and using it to produce good, to bring Jesus into the world in very tangible ways, and also saying, hey, how can I use those character strengths to strengthen my church, to be a part of this thing that we're doing together? And if, as we all do this, right, as we all live into and grow and build these character strengths, like, we just become better human beings, right? And that really is the glory of God in us, and we really become more like Jesus, the perfect human. Like, as a matter of faith, we just hold, I believe, that Jesus embodied these six virtues, these 24 strengths, perfectly. And Jesus didn't come to show us how to be divine. I just don't believe that. I believe that Jesus came to show us how to be human. This is what it means to be a son of man, a daughter of, of, of Eve. This is what it means to live in the image of God. And as we do that more and more and more, here's what's so amazing. We will discover our best self. Like the Spirit will guide us into who we are authentically, that unique expression of God in this world that you were created to be. So as I think about that question, who am I? I just have to keep coming back to, well, I'm just Ryan. <laughs> I'm Ryan Howland at my most fundamental level. Like who I am is who God has created me to be. And, and living into and learning those things about myself, those strengths, those, those areas that I, I say I have access to this and I can grow the virtues that I resonate with, like that's powerful. So as we wrap up today, what is God inviting you into? I really do believe that certain very powerful things happen when we're in community, that there are things that, that only happen when we're connected together in the spiritual world. And, and one of those is I do believe that God works in community and whispers and invites us into things. And so what is it that God might be inviting you today? I hope maybe you hear this really simple invitation to go take that survey. Super easy. Click on the link. Go take the survey and just see if it resonates with you. And if it starts to resonate with you, gather. Maybe you want to gather a group of friends together. And you want to just kind of work through one of these books on the power of strengths and just read about your different strengths and talk with one another and affirm in one another. Yes, that's totally you. You'll be encouraged to start to live into that. 
And I would encourage everybody to think about your character strengths that can be used as part of the gathered and scattered church. I do deeply believe in the gathered church. I do believe that there's something very powerful that happens when we come together. How we come together, I don't think that's nearly as important as the idea that we are together, that we're experiencing God. I mean, Jesus moved in community. There were always people around Jesus. There's something divine about it. I, I can't explain it, but where two or three are gathered, right? doesn't mean there's got to be 5,000, but where we're together. And so the song that the band has for you is a, is a great song to finish out this topic, to just reflect for a few minutes on. Because this song calls us out of what I think emotional and consumeristic spirituality wants us to do. It wants us to just sit. It wants us to sit in God's presence. It just feels so good. It's so calming. It's so comforting. But this song says, you have called me higher. And I love that this song says that for this talk because the higher values are what science calls those six virtues. Those are the higher virtues. And the song says, you have called me higher and you have called me deeper and I'll go where you will lead me. Sometimes we talk about a church that isn't deep, right? Uh, if you've been around church for a long time or you say, oh, I just want something deep. I don't think that there's anything deeper than surrendering ourselves to the work of the Spirit to do a deep dive into ourselves, to answer who am I? Who is it that God has made me to be so that I can be authentic and I can be okay with that? And I can move past this idea of warm fuzzies for music. I can move past the all too easy taking the Lord's name in vain and leveraging Christianity or church for my own personal benefit. But I'll actually trust the Lord as, as I go deeper and I'll follow Jesus into the depths of my soul to learn those signature strengths, to identify what is the signature of God on my life. And then I can be the hands and feet of Jesus in a far more powerful way than I ever imagined. So just take a few moments, enjoy this song. I'll be back out to give us a blessing for our community, for us as individuals, and then we'll go and have a meaningful week together being the hands and feet of Jesus.